Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. As promised, I bring you the continuation of our interview with Robert and Michelle Sullivan, founders of the Artisan Grower. Welcome to Upward Way. Thanks for having us. Just before we transition, I just want to say to the listening audience, in case you know you may think that you don't have time, you can subscribe to our weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Spotify, Podcasts, Guru apps, or you can visit Upward Way Facebook page, click like, and leave a comment. Listening to the sharing, you know, you'd have been members of the church for many years. And I think about, you know, someone having access to a library, you know, with so many different books that you can read, but it's as if, you know, those books were not being read. So in a sense, as I listen to the faith journey, it's obvious that, you know, while you would have been attending, there were many things that maybe you were not so keen on. But over time, as you had questions based on, you know, this tragedy that unfolded, you started thinking about life in a sense. And that was when you realized how many things, you know, would be available to you. So just maybe to wake someone up who might be in a similar situation, you are on a faith journey, but maybe you have not just not been, you know, tapping into ensuring that your own spiritual muscles are, you know, developed. What would you say to someone who would have been, you know, in a similar situation? Well, I, I think for us, um, I wouldn't say we weren't keen. Mm. I would say we were distracted. Mm. The enemy has a way of distracting us, keeping us busy, you know, keeping the radio on, keeping the TV on, mm. you know, just not having time to actually sit up and smell the coffee mm. and actually understand the state that we're actually in. We just get caught up with life. Mm. And that's really the point. And we can't allow ourselves to get caught up with life. We need to stop and take time out to actually understand our real condition. And I think that the, the situation with our friends dying in a car crash showed us our true condition, mm. that that could have happened to us. That could have been us mm. or that could have mm. been you. In fact, mm. I mean, not necessarily me because it was the guys, they, they were traveling from the UK to the Netherlands and they died in Belgium along the way. And um, they were actually going to play out. Now it, it wouldn't be unusual or it wouldn't be, um, but you know, you could mm. have been there basically. Mm. It wouldn't have been unusual for Robert to have gone along with them. That could have been him in the car too. You see what I'm saying? So it's a wake up call, isn't it? Mm. It's a wake up call. And I think, you know, we shouldn't have to wait. We shouldn't wait for tragedies to take place, mm. you know, um, but that was the situation, and I can I can truly see that that it's very easy, you know, for people to get distracted with life, trying mm. to climb the proverbial ladder, mm. you know, trying to to make it in the world, 
And I think the more we, we do that, the more we do things for ourselves, there's this balance, but the more we do things for ourselves, then the less time and, uh, and the less input we need from God. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing really well in your studies, if you're doing really well at work, if you're doing really well in your careers and this, that, the other, then let's be honest, uh, what do you need God for, you know? Um, God is there on the side, and it's only if something really, some some major something happens, then you suddenly get on your knees and pray, but outside of that. And what God is wanting, he wants us, as you were just mentioning, to exercise our faith muscles and put our faith and our trust in him. Now, in order to do that, that must mean that we need to step down from, as it were, what's the words I'm I'm looking for? Step down from our lofty position. <laughs> yes, that, but yeah, in terms of how we view ourselves and whether we've got skills and whether, you know, it, it doesn't matter. God is the only one that's saying that he will supply our needs. And so what happens is the enemy through work and through these these other structures has it that it makes us look as if we're in control of our lives. But the fact of the matter is sometimes it's when you lose control that mm. you're, you know, it's like it's like Jesus is knocking on the door. You know, we're getting on with life. We've mm. got that job. You know, we're trying to get that house. We've bought the car. We're trying to have kids and we're just getting on with life. And all the while, Jesus is knocking on the door. Yeah. You know, and it's oftentimes not until a tragedy occurs mm. or some drastic thing in life to get our attention happens that we run to the door and open it mm. and say, please yeah, come in, help. help me. You get what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, but. But we could save ourselves from that. Yeah. You know, we, we could just open the door. Mm. Just open the door on a normal day. Don't wait for, you know, the panic day or the I need help day. Not to say that God wouldn't come in if you went and, and did it on that day, but just mm. on a normal day, you know, when life is just normal. <laughs> mm. You know, we don't have to wait for tragedy. Yeah. In our situation, we can attest to the fact that it was a, a faith journey. So um, one of the things that happened was, which we saw in answer to the, the heartfelt cry, that prayer that I mentioned about in one of these convocations that we went to, which was, Lord, you know, I really want to have that kind of relationship um, with you. And when we went to the marriage retreat, we learned about um, the Lord being able to bless us through his promises. And so we sort of said to ourselves that this is what we want to do. We, we want to give all. We want to give all to God and we want to see where he's going to lead wherever you lead lord we will follow a couple couple of months probably i think it was yeah it's within a few months of that yeah a couple of months um after that um i had a uh, i had a, a meeting that was scheduled with one of the um council officers that we have over here and um what was happening just to put you in the picture is that um Prior to all of this new awakening with the Lord, what was happening was that um, I had been fraudulently making an application for um, for finances. And um, an officer would come round every year to check... Your circumstances. To check to see if my circumstances are the same. And to see whether you would be uh, awarded again for another year or whatever. Yeah. Well, I would lie every year. I would fraudulently give him the information that he needed to hear so that we could get the money. So that was where my mind was. Okay. So this has been going on for a number of years. 
and every year he would come and every year we would go through the forms and uh, the money would be awarded. And what happened was... This particular year. This particular year. After this, all these things that happened in our lives. <laughs> now this individual is coming and um, I felt the Holy Spirit distinctly say to me to tell this um, officer, tell this individual to tell him the truth of what I had been doing. And um, straight away, I thought, oh, that's not going to be good. <laughs> I already know that's not going to be good. I didn't know to the extent of what that meant, but I knew that that wouldn't be a good thing. Anyway, we had the meeting, the officer came round, and um, I can't remember what he said. Specifically. Specifically, but I do remember he said, yeah, you know, um, have you got anything that you would like to say? And I said, yeah. And um, and I said, yeah, you know, for the last couple of years, I have been um, fraudulently making this claim and I shouldn't have been. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have been awarded any money. And uh, he said, I remember he looked at me and he said, <laughs> uh, are you sure you want to do this? You know, and uh, I said, uh, yeah, it's the truth. I said, that's what's that's what I've been doing. And so I'm just telling you the truth. I just want to interject here. Um, you know, I think I was probably being a Job's wife here. Mm. And not that I was saying specifically, you know, curse God and die, but I was saying to Robert, because he told me what, what it is that he felt impressed to do, you know, and to come clean and explain and tell the truth. And I said, well, you know, well, when the um, awards officer comes, why don't you just say to him, you know, well, you know, my circumstances are changed and I don't, I no longer need any assistance. And that way he'll just, you know, he sign it off it and close, close the case, close yeah. the case. He'll walk away and you just get on with your life and you just don't claim anymore. And Robert was like, no, Mish. <laughs> well, that to. would be the easy way. And be to be honest, way. that would have been, you know, it would have been a little white lie and the individual would have gone away and the case would have been closed. And that was it. And you would no longer be and defrauding I would know, yeah, the system. And life would be great. However, the Holy Spirit had said to me, tell him the truth <laughs> so I had a choice I could tell him the truth or do what the wife says <laughs> yeah or save my own skin now I knew by telling the truth I knew I would be trusting in the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wanted to do whatever that was and I knew whatever came my way in terms of some sort of punishment or some sort of I knew that would be mine to take because I had done wrong but I knew that I wanted to obey God's voice so when he left, he said, well, OK, I'm going to have to make a report. But he said, chances are this is going to go to the police and um, they will probably have to take it up from there. So anyway, cut a long story short, the police called me and then they said they would like to um, interview me. And um, they interviewed me. And it was probably the quickest interview because um, they just asked me, what is it that you've been doing? And I explained everything from day one to day seven years later or whatever the case was six years later I explained everything and um, they said yeah we're gonna have to charge you and um, you will end up going to court and so um, you were assigned a barrister I was assigned well I was assigned a, a solicitor and a barrister in the UK what happens is if you um, if you plead guilty which I did I pled guilty then they go to what they call um, Mitigation. Mitigating circumstances. Mm -hmm. So they will have like a social worker type thing and they will 
talk to you and understand what was going on at that time. Maybe you were under a lot of stress, maybe, you know, this, that, the other, and maybe that's why you did these things. So what they're trying to do is build a picture and, and make you look not so bad. But I remember in the, mi- in the meeting, and they were like, well, you know, were you stressed? You know, um, were, did you have money issues? And I was like, no, I wasn't stressed. I didn't have money issues, you know, this, that, the other. I just did this for greed. I was just a very, very bad person. That was that. And then um, I remember my solicitor, he said, um, he said, Robert, I'm really, really, um, really, really sorry uh, because the government at the time, they had started to crack down on these kinds of um, crimes. And he said that um, you're in trouble. Basically. You're in real trouble. <laughs> You've admitted to the crime. You don't have any mitigating circumstances. On top of that, the government is cracking down. And at the moment, when you go to the courts, he said, when you go in front of the judge, he said, you're probably going to be looking at five to seven years in prison. He said, I'm really, really sorry. But he said, that's what it's looking like. And so um, I remember it was a weird, it was a weird situation. I was shocked. I had a sense of peace, but then I also had a bit of worry as well. I was worried more for my wife and the children, but then I was more at peace with God in the sense that I've done what he's asked me to do. And if it means that I've got to do five years, even though who wants to do five years, I don't want to do five days. But at the end of the day, if it is that this is what it is, then, you know, maybe God's got another plan. Let's just see what unfolds. I don't know, you know. Meanwhile, whilst all this was taking place, I was pregnant with Caleb. Our Caleb is 15 now, but I was pregnant with him and he was actually due around the time that you were going to go for your sentencing. That's right. And so I was obviously anxious, uh, to say the least, and I was constantly praying. Mm. And I do remember one time when Robert had gone to, um, he'd gone somewhere, I think the whole family were out and I was home alone. And I remember praying and I'd been praying and praying and praying for so long about this and I was like Lord but you know what's going to happen you know the answer you know what what what's you know how many years or whatever it is you know and um the Lord showed me a word and it was a blessing what what Mm. what he showed me you know he knows the end from the beginning and so he knows what the outcomes are going to be Mm. you know and um meanwhile whilst this was happening as well as he was preparing for sentencing obviously he'll explain but you know they told him basically pack yeah my solicitor and my barrister both said well look what's going to happen is obviously the judge is just going to give you out a number and all you need to do is come with a small bag like like a toiletry bag yeah with toiletries because he said that's all you're going to be allowed to take in to prison so yeah (laughs) yes and and so i was obviously still anxious and so I felt impressed by God to to write mm. a letter mm. to the judge and that I did. I remember sitting there. I remember exactly what the position where the computer was and I remember sitting there. I remember praying and saying, "Lord, please give me the words in, to type here because I didn't even know what to say." Mm. And I just started typing and typing and I wrote a letter to the judge trying to plead, you know. He could have just said what I had mentioned earlier. He could have just said or we don't need it anymore. But he was honest. You know, he told you, you know, he revealed everything. And, mm. you know, he has sons and we have a baby coming and all mm. of this, you know, <laughs> trying to sort of plead on his behalf. And I sent it, gave it to, we gave it to the barrister and the barrister gave it to the judge. 
Mm. And uh, the judge did read it. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, I didn't really, because I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really know the Bible through and through or anything like that. I didn't have specific verses to mind. Or many promises. Or many promises. I was just going with a very, very raw and primitive, Lord, I just trust you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just trust you. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my wife. I trust you with myself. That's all I was really saying. I didn't I didn't know any Bible verses, any Bible promises to claim. It was just very, very primitive. So we went into the court. And um, so what would happen is the prosecution team, they would set out what the case was, which they did. And, you know, it sounded very, very bad. Yeah, they have this way of making it sound a hundred times worse than that, what it actually is. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, but that's their job. So they did that and they set out. And as I said, normally at this time is where my barrister would then stand up. And if there are mitigating circumstances, then he would say, right, you know, and he would try and argue that, well, you know, my client, he was under stress and this, that, the other and da, da, da. But there was no mitigating circumstances at all. So anyway, the prosecution, they laid out the case and then um, they sat down and um, my barrister got up and um, started to speak on my behalf. And as he started to speak on my behalf, he didn't even get the first sentence out. And uh, the judge asked him to kindly sit down. And so um, we were looking at each other. Thought, everyone, okay, everyone okay. was looking at each other like, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. why, why is he not allowed mm. to defend him? Yeah, like, why has yeah, he yeah. been told to sit? Mm. But like, you know, the judge, you know, so then my barrister, he sat down. And so then he, he waited, so, a, moment, he waited or, a, moment, a moment and then he got back up again. And yes, your honor. And, da, 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 and he started to talk again. And then, as I said, he hadn't even finished the sentence. And then the judge again said, um, can you can sit, you sit down, down, please? please? And the barrister, you know, sat down and was looking around. And we're all looking around, all like, looking what on earth is going on? And then um, the barrister got up again. A third time. third time and started. <laughs> Your honour. Your honour, you, know. you know, my client. Da, da, da. And the judge said, um, look, sit down, sit down. And then he said. Um, the reason why I've asked you to sit down is because. I'm not sending I'm your, not client, send your client, Robert Sullivan, to jail. To prison. I'm not sending him to prison. He said, I've read the letter from his wife. I've looked up the notes. I've looked at everything that's set before me. And he said, you know, um, I've made my decision before I even came out. I've made my decision that we weren't going to send him to jail. Ugh, it's hard to even explain even now as I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. It was an amazing, amazing experience. If if you were to be there mm. in the actual room, it was like a very, very... You could feel like angels' the, the wings. Presence of, of, yeah. yeah, because it was a very tall ceiling. It was a very old building. The architecture was very old. It was like a cathedral, mm. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a courtroom, you know? And it was almost like if you, if you could have your eyes open to see the spiritual world, you would see angels just just um, flying in the midst, you know? Um, when he said that, the judge was with us for just seconds. Yeah. And then after that, the barrister, the barrister like, oh. he looked at us and he said, I don't know what happened there. This is very, very strange. He said, he said this is the first time. In my however many years yeah. of serving as a barrister, I have never had something like this happen. And it was weird. And then he just scuffled off and he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I went into the bathroom, I was just looking in the mirror and I just couldn't stop smiling. And I was like, what on earth was that? What on earth happened there? 
I can't explain to you. I don't know what happened. I know that the Lord is good. Yeah. I know that the Lord is good. He is merciful and he is more than capable of um, protecting his people. At the end of the day, I could have gone into prison because I was guilty and it would have been fine. And I would have still been saying, praise the Lord because of his kindness you know, because at the end of the day, we don't deserve it's con- anything. And it's the consequence of and it's a actions, consequence, And it? it's a consequence for sin. The fact that he decided to interact and spare me, even though I didn't deserve it, I knew then I can trust God mm. 100%. And from that day onwards, I mean, it's been a roller coaster ride. It, it has. But, but what it's meant is that we know for a matter of fact that God does what he says that he's going to do. And then, you know, as we learn in our journey, we start reading and we start reading more in the Bible and we start seeing these promises. And now I realize that in the word, it says that God cannot lie. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know that before, you know? And so if he says that he can supply all your needs, A, it's a promise. And B, it's a promise from a God who can't lie. So it's like, He can supply anything we need, whether that's financial, whether that's spiritual, whether that's health. And there's so many promises that we can take to the bank of God. And so what it means is that we're able to exercise our faith muscles, knowing that he's going to work us out in a good way to bring us closer to him, ultimately. So from there, that was really the springboard to our faith journey, Hmm. because after that had happened, it wasn't too long that we moved to the countryside. And it's just been literally, you know, testimony after testimony along the way that we wouldn't have time to go into everything. But Hmm. sorry, let me just say something very, very quickly with the testimonies. And this might be something that some of your viewers, I I know for us, we, we sometimes struggle with. Even though, and we're very pleased to be able to share our testimonies of how, because it's all about God. It's all about God. But what it means is that where there is a testimony, it means that you would have had to have let go of whatever the situation is and let God take control. And I think this is where a lot of us struggle because society teaches us to be so self-sufficient. We don't like letting go. But what happens is when we don't let go, we miss the testimony. Mm. We miss out from God's blessing. That's right. You know, and God has got so much that he wants to do for us, but we stop him and he can't force himself because he's a, he's a God of love. So he just waits at the door and knocks, but Mm. he wants to be able to bless us in so many Many ways, ways. but we have to let go. And and this is the thing, you know, when we moved, I'm going to just race through this for the sake of time, but you know, when we moved to Scotland, we didn't even, we didn't have the money Mm. for our deposit and God provided it in a really odd way, you know, through a fund that um, we were allowed to apply for. (laughs) (laughs) It was, Robert was studying um, law, ironically, (laughs) at Northampton University. We got a little scholarship that we didn't have to pay back and it came just in time for us to put the deposit down on a property Mm. that we hadn't even seen. We sent a friend to go and view the property. Now it's quite an interesting one, this, because a friend of ours, they moved to Scotland ahead of us. We ended up moving, I think the following year, but we went to visit them. And one day when we were visiting them, Robert and I, we decided to go for a wee little drive. We went for this drive and we were looking around at these properties. Oh, they're so beautiful looking at all these properties. And we went down this 
this fine little lane and we and robert stopped and he said oh, and you have to remember this is in the back of nowhere we're just in the back of the we country we didn't even know where we were we were mm. just driving mm. and he stopped outside this this one house and he said something like that would be really nice and i remember looking at it thinking oh <laughs> i'm not sure about that it's just like an old sort of it wasn't really old but it was like a farmhouse old farmhouse yeah you know and so um anyway long story short we packed our things we we found this property online it was a tiny little you know inch by inch picture that we saw on the internet and um you know we'd, we'd gone through all the paperwork and we did everything we paid you know the deposit and it was now time to move we drove through the night we got into scotland six o'clock in the morning our friend that had gone and, and viewed the property for us on our behalf because we were 500 miles away um, they took us to the property. We pulled up outside the property and it was the same property. But he said, oh, this would be nice. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. And so this is where we moved to. And mm. we lived in Scotland. We've been here now for about 14, 15 years. Yeah. We've lived in different parts of Scotland. We've lived in Invernessshire, which is where we first moved to. We've lived in Perthshire and we've lived in Aberdeenshire, which is where we are now. And, you know, as we were going along, Robert finished his, his law degree, but then we realized that he couldn't practice it because mm. they have a different set of laws here in Scotland, which is called Scots Law. It's a completely different course and it will take four years and mm. he's just completed three years. And even that was a testimony because when we moved, he hadn't quite finished and mm. he was traveling backwards and forwards between Scotland and England. But then the Lord again spoke to him and told him that he should go home. He decided to go home, but still had a semester left. And I'm just really cutting this short for the sake of time. And mm. the Lord had made it clear to us, well, clear to you mm. that you should go home. Mm. And so he did. And I'd been praying because I was like, Lord, I really don't like being out here in Scotland, you know, mm. all by myself so in the back of wherever, where you see the moon coming through the trees. And when you've grown up secular and you've watched horror movies, it's quite scary. <laughs> and when your husband's not there, you know. <laughs> So I wanted him to be home. And so the Lord had worked it out that he could uh, stay home because mm. he had signed off of his course. They gave him a form to fill in. He filled in the form to deregister. But because he'd come so far, the department um, had come together and decided to offer him the opportunity to actually study from home. Mm. And they didn't offer that for that particular course. They said, don't tell anybody, but this is what we'd like to do for you. And so fully funded, fully funded for the year. So he ended up being able to come home and finish his course, which was a mm. real blessing. Yeah. And in there, I mean, we didn't go into too much details, but no. it's a lesson of God's goodness, but also a lesson in Faith when God trust. Yeah. Trust in God. When God asks us to do something, we don't need to ask why, how, when, what. We just need to do whatever it is that God has asked us to do. And leave the how, why, when and what to, to him. God. We've got to believe that he actually can see the future because we say that. But do we really believe it? But if we really believe it, then we wouldn't ask the questions. We would move in. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. If we really do believe that he can see the future and he knows the future, then Half the time when we get a, a, a nod from the Holy Spirit to do something or whatever, we wouldn't question it. We were just, okay, Father, I might not understand it, but I'm going to do what you said to do because I know you've got my best interests at heart. So I'm just going to skip forward. I'm trying to bring you to Artisan Grower. So I'm just going to yes. skip forward very quickly. Just before you do that, uh, because that is exactly where I, I'm going to go, but I, I must uh, make a comment on what has been unpackaged thus far 
my favorite Bible text has always been Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. You know, we can quote it, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine mm. own understanding in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct or path or he shall direct your path that is exactly what it says and you know as i listen to the journey being unpacked it's just a reminder that we don't qualify ourselves for god's blessings you know i, I want to say that another time you know we don't qualify ourselves for god's blessings because there was nothing that i have ever done that has qualified me for god's blessings and as you shared your journey there was nothing that qualified you it is just God's goodness. As you just share and as I have been contemplating, you know, it has to be allowed for you to share a bit more about the artist and grow. You know, someone may want to reach out, someone may want some of your goodies, but they have no idea how to, you know, connect with you. So I will give you the opportunity to, you know, break down some of the things um, you shared earlier. For example, you talk about uh, microgreens, et cetera, et cetera. This sounds wonderful but maybe for all it doesn't make sense so you can just break down some mm. of that and also share with how persons could reach out what we're looking at is uh, and it's a good question uh, on the microgreens because um in the uk i think in america and canada most people sort of know what microgreens are in the united kingdom microgreens are kind of lumped with um sprouts yeah and uh microgreens aren't sprouts but what they are is um but they are seeds uh but it's where you you have the seeds that grow on the they're not buried in the earth but they they grow on top of um the soil the soil that's our substrate some people grow microgreens on like hydroponically but we don't we grow them on top of soil and um they grow to what's called the cotyledon stage so that's where the first true leaves true leaves on a, oh, sorry, just just beyond cotyledon. Just be, yeah. yeah, 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 just yeah. beyond. So they're just small shoots. They're just very, very small shoots. But the beauty of microgreens is that they are hugely nutrient dense. Some say up to 40 times more nutrient dense than the adult plant. So if you eat a broccoli, and broccolis are good, any green veg is good. But for example, if you eat a broccoli and you're like, oh, that is so nice and it's got nutrients. Well, if you eat a microgreen broccoli, it's like 40 times more nutrient dense than the adult broccoli. So they're not just used for garnish, but they're also really, really good for health. And you can put them in smoothies. You can have them anyhow you want them, sandwiches, what have you. But these products for microgreens anyway, they don't they don't have a long shelf life. So it's not a, a product that you would send to somebody abroad or anything like that. It's something that you could you could probably get uh, look for maybe like a local supplier or something like that. But um, for any of your viewers that are in the in the in the UK um, for what we grow at the moment with our edible flowers and um, even the, the veg and stuff that we do, it's more. Um, Scotland based. So um, <laughs> when the pandemic ha came, when um, COVID was around, we were actually doing quite a lot of what we call veg box deliveries. And we were delivering veg vegetables to um, to customers at their houses. Locally. Locally. Again, just locally. Yeah, because we couldn't really do that outside of of, um, of where we live. It is, it's, that's too much of an undertaking. And even now with our with our customer base, everything's quite local. 
So unfortunately, we can we can talk of all the good stuff and we can tell you how nice these things taste. And, um, you know, because we grow veganically, it really is nice and fresh and this, that, the other. But chances are, unless you're in Scotland, uh, you're not really going to be able to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be able to to taste these delicacies unfortunately well to chime in a bit too you know you may inspire others you know maybe in other parts of the world right. doing something else you know to give ideas that okay i have a piece of the land this is something i can also tap into so just continue <laughs> don't worry too much yeah definitely definitely so i mean um, as i said we started um with no experience at all um and um i think one of the things that the Lord is teaching us is just to be, you know, be willing to be willing, you know, be flexible um, on everything that you're doing. And you don't really need masses of land. I mean, for example, microgreens, when we were growing microgreens and we were selling them commercially, um, we weren't even growing them outside. We actually were growing them indoors with indoor lighting. And we, um, we were using what would have been a dining room. Yep. Yeah. We actually converted we converted a dining room and we had it as a as a microgreen, microgreen operation. Room. And even if you haven't got a, a big massive room, you could just take a portion of your room. It doesn't have to be that much, just a nice corner, a space that's not being used. Could be a conservatory, but if you've got the room and they grow in the house, they grow all year round. If you get lights, we just use shop lights mm. in which to do A particular it. brightness, you know, we can go into the technicalities of it. But Or if you want, if your listeners are interested, Audioverse, we have a um, course. More of a, a technical. A micro, microgreen growing course. On, it's on Audioverse. Yeah, you just look um, for, for our name. For or what Adagra, yeah. yeah. Again, this is a good little inroad to growing your own and having, as I said, nutrient-dense food. Not just growing your own. But uh, then you may want to grow and sell to others. Yeah. And it's a good way of starting, right. you know. And when I say sell to others, this, this could be at a local market, could be at a local farmer's market. It could be at a, um, like a co-op, like a shop or something like that. Or it could be, in our case, we decided we were going to try and target um, restaurants and um, hotels. Yeah. And that's where we, we were. supplying were, them. Seven, that's where we were towns, supplying. Mm. Seven different towns throughout Scotland at that point. Yeah. yeah. So again, you know, and, and the thing is just to be open to wherever God is leading. Of course, we come with our ideas and we ask God to bless, but be open to whatever God's will yeah. is and um, start small. Start with whatever you got. If you haven't got a big, big space, start small garden. Haven't got a garden, start inside, do and, microgreens. And the Lord really will bless it, you know. That, that's been our experience mm. anyway, you know, mm. his open ways for us to be able to to do this in ways that we couldn't we couldn't for ourselves no even the infrastructure that we needed he supplied the the Mm. money for that Mm. you know um we tried to do our own thing Mm. we tried to start an estate agency and it just wasn't just flopped it just nothing happened you know i think if you're doing god's will yeah this is what i would say if you're going to do god's will god is going to do whatever he needs to do you don't need to worry so if there's finances that are needed if there's infrastructure, if there's advertising, if there's employees, whatever it is, God will sort it out because it's his will. You don't have to worry about it. And so it's a good position to be in. It's so stress free, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And God is good. Any problem, seriously, go to the boss, <laughs> Just you know, get on your knees and just speak to the That's boss. That's right. Exactly. I love that one. It is so stress-free you know um, (laughs) 
one of my other texts that I like, St. John chapter 14 from 1 to 3, but, you know, verse 1, just first few um, lines, you know, let not your heart be troubled. So once we are <laughs> really trusting God, we don't need to worry about how things will unfold. I just want you to um, just reference something one more time before we, we, we close out this interview. How many um, hackers are you on? No wonder. How many did you say you started with? There's a point yeah. I want to emphasize about, you know, patience to improve. <laughs> yeah. When we started out, we were, we were farming on just under one acre. Yeah. Now we're on 10 acres of land. And it's quite interesting what you said about patience and, and growth. Growth. Because mm. the 10 acres didn't come really through our working. No. You know, what actually happened is where we were with the just under one acre, we had a neighbor that was being a bully mm. and harassing us. And this went on for a very, very long time. And we were praying every single day. It got so bad that she even called the social services on us a few times, you know, to try and make it out that our children were at risk when they weren't. Mm. And um, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, she must have called nearly every um, authority or agency that's out there. There were even ones that she called I never even knew existed, mm. you know. And mm. so they would just come knocking on their door. The police for all sorts of things were just foolishness. And then she, because she owned the track between our, the house and the field that we were, were, were working on, she then decided that she didn't want us to take a hose across. So we couldn't irrigate the, the field. So we gave this to the Lord and we were just troubled, deeply, deeply troubled. I mean, in tears, I was in tears, you know, you come between a mother and her children with social services is not a nice experience. And so as a result of our prayers, we, we were praying and praying for the Lord to, 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 to work something out. And one day we had a phone call from the chief executive officer. So basically, um, the, the chief executive officer contacted us from the McDonald hotel chain group, mm. group whatever you want to call them. And um, long story short, she basically offered us to be on one of their sites. Mm. Um, farm, as know, a farm. We had been praying for land because we knew we couldn't, you know, it was untenable where we were before. And um, she offered for us to meet with Mr. McDonald, who's the owner. Um, I think they have about 40 hotels mm. across the UK and Europe. And one of them happened to be on the other side of the hill of where we were living. And they had 2,500 acres and that they wanted a farm on their site. And either we could consult for them or better still, we could bring our farm here. Turns out they were Christians. Mr. McDonald's a Christian too. Mm. Their words were, oh, this is providence. We basically said, well, yeah, we'll, we'll come and farm because, you know, we've been praying for land, you know. And so we ended up here on, uh, on the 10 acres. So it wasn't our own growth. It's not like we were making so much money and we were able to just mm. go and buy land. It was actually provided to us by the Lord. God is faithful. He's faithful. Yes, indeed, he is. And as you share that part, the little song, you know, Old MacDonald had a farm. <laughs> yes. We've been talking with Robert and Michelle Sullivan, my guest today on Upward Way. They are the co-founders of the Artisan Grower. But just before we go, Robert and Michelle, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? 
Yeah, just to um, encourage everybody uh, to um, trust God, take God at his word, um, know that his word is sure. Um, as we've seen, God can't lie. His promises are sure. And also that, you know, the life that we think is great, you know, there's a there's a whole new life that's even better than that. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just need to take that step in faith. And um, God is more than able and capable. Yeah, I mean, I, I just ditto that. Mm. You know, we've seen God's hand on many occasions come mm. through for us. It's almost surreal some mm. of the things that he does mm. and the timing in which he does it. You know, and I think if we want to live our best life, mm. the best life is with the Lord doing his will mm. in his timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the encouragement for everybody. It's about doing God's will and trusting him to allow things to unfold in his own timing. You've been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. Click like and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.